Go and grab your Bibles and open them to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel is after Ezekiel. So, after Ezekiel, and if you could take the higher frequency on this mic and just lower it a bit so that that little high-pitched feedback stops happening. So, that'd be after the book of Ezekiel, um, Daniel, we're going to be looking at chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Verse 2, which says this. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can spend an entire day meditating on the goodness of Christ's resurrection. We ask, God, that you would give us supernatural strength this evening, resurrection power, Christ's power, for us to be able to comprehend your word. We ask God even tonight that if there are any dead souls here, that they would be able to come to life through the power of your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we meditated on Christ's resurrection, thinking through the narrative of of what happened on Resurrection Sunday. This evening, we're going to meditate on a verse that focuses not on Christ's resurrection, but on our own resurrection. So the main idea for tonight is this. Death is temporary. Eternity is forever. Death is temporary. Eternity is forever. Three points. Firstly, waking up. Second, eternal shame. Third, eternal life. Again, firstly, waking up. Second, eternal shame. Third, eternal life. First, waking up. Let's look again at verse 2. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Daniel talks about people who wake up from sleeping in the dust. This idea that, that people are in the dust and this image of them now arising. Now, sleeping in the dust isn't just like an uncomfortable desert dwelling, like they're, they're waking up in the middle of the sand. It's actually deeper than that. Uh, the idea of dust is actually throughout all of Scripture. In fact, dust begins in the book of Genesis. Dust is where we came from, and dust is where we go back to. So in Genesis 2, God forms man from the dust, creates a mold of, of a human body, and then breathes life into it. And in Genesis 3, because of man's disobedience, they are cursed. And God says this in Genesis 3.19. He says this. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. So, so in Daniel 12, too, the picture that Daniel's trying to depict here isn't just people that are waking up from a dusty nap, but actually people that have died. They're sleeping in the dust. They've become dust. They are dust themselves. If you're not a Christian here tonight, I wonder if you realize that you're going to die. We don't think about our mortality often. Usually the most we think about death is when we go through the stone walls of a, of a cemetery 
and view other people lowered into it. We don't think about our own death very often. But there's a moment where your hand will turn into bones and then to dust. Do you realize you're going to die? Well, in Daniel 12, 2, death doesn't stop with death. In fact, human life goes beyond death. Death is not the end. In fact, Daniel treats it so much so like it's not the end that Daniel treats death like a nap. People who sleep in the dust, they're, they're snoring. They're probably rolling over while they're in their dust, and then they're waking up at the end of days. Everybody who dies will wake up. Everyone has imprinted on their bodies a resurrection date. We live in an age of the now. Live like no tomorrow. YOLO. Friends, tomorrow is inevitable. But not only is tomorrow inevitable, death is not the end. You go beyond this life. Have you thought about what life will be like after your death? Daniel offers two options here in terms of what your life could look like after you die. Brings us to point number two, eternal shame. Eternal shame. Let's look again at verse two. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Some awake from death to their disgrace and eternal contempt. That word for disgrace, that idea that's happening here, is the same for shame. The idea is that some of these people who awake from the dead will find themselves in a position of eternal shame and dishonor. Usually we think of shame as this state of mind that we need to talk ourselves out of. That integral to us is our value, that you are a valuable person. And any sense of shame that you might be feeling is really just self-doubt. And what you need to do is raise your self-esteem so that you can overcome any sense of shame that you have. And the way to do that is to realize how great you are. Netflix recently released a fi film called A Week Away. Do any of you know that film or saw it on Netflix, A Week Away? Okay, I see one hand. Since I don't see hands, I feel freedom to be a little bit freer with how I talk about this film. Um, yes. No, 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 don't worry. Uh, I'm just prepping you for what you're about to hear. As a quick sign up, one, one of my personal uh, enjoyable pastimes is to watch Christian films. Not necessarily for personal edification. Um, and this film was a doozy. Um, I describe A Week Away as high school musical for Christians. It's set in a, in a church camp. I don't recommend this film at all. I think it's actually anti-Christian. Uh, Jesus does not get mentioned once. Um, and listen to their take in this song on shame and confidence, where uh, a guy and a girl are encouraging another guy and a girl to ask each other out on a church camp, which is like every youth pastor's nightmare. Listen to, listen to how they describe this. I wish you can see how amazing you are. You just got to be you. Don't pick yourself apart. The only way you can go wrong 
is if you doubt yourself. Confidence is everything. Don't need to be someone else. God has made you as you should be, more than good enough. Now, there's a degree to which that's true. We are all valuable as people made in the image of God. It would be wrong for us to be ashamed about things that we shouldn't be ashamed about. Right? There are unique ways that God has designed us as unlike other people that are things that we ought to celebrate. That is good and true. However, shame that is not just in our shame doesn't just exist in our heads, it also exists in reality. There are things that we should be legitimately ashamed about. Because of our sin, we have been marred with legitimate shame. Think about it. We have all sinned against a holy God, which means shame isn't just in your head. It's something that we have entered into in reality. Shame isn't just something that we can escape with positive thinking. It's etched into the fiber of our being. In fact, confidence doesn't make us clean. There's no ability within us to overcome our own flaws. Shame is not about doubting ourselves. It's actually an accurate evaluation of ourselves. If you reflect on your own sin and the way that you've rebelled against a just and holy God, we have a lot to be ashamed about. But Daniel builds on that even further. Not only is this shame real, not only does it exist in reality, it's forever. It's not as though we will wake up from the dead and God will say, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, and then you cease to exist. People wake up to a permanent state of disgrace. That eternal state of disgrace means an eternal conscious punishment for your sin. Now, if you're not a Christian, this may seem excessive to you. I mean, what kind of megalomaniac God would require such an intense punishment for something like lying? But when you think about it some more, it actually makes more sense. I mean, we all want justice in our life, don't we? I mean, countless films depict the evils of Nazi Germany and the need for justice. You can see it in the outcry in recent days against Asian American violence. Uh, in light of the recent months. You can see it whenever people in positions of power are exposed for their evil deeds. I mean, all of us feel a deep-seated desire for justice to be done. Now, as a quick side tangent, imagine if I were to spit in your face or just come up to you and, you know, just spit a loogie straight into your face. Um, At least some people here in the front row probably have an idea of what... uh, feels like and don't need to imagine anything. What would happen? What would happen if I were to spin your face? Andrew, what would you do if I were to spin your face? Huh? Thanks, Andrew. Andrew, what would you do? Oh, thanks. You pray for me, possibly in precatory psalm, right? Um, I'd imagine that you would get pretty angry. I don't imagine anybody would like just smile and say, I deserve that, you know. Um, I imagine that you get angry. I would imagine that you would have some words that don't fall under the category of that which builds up. You might even throw hands. I'm glad Brian's not here. But imagine if I were to go and spin the face of President Joe Biden. 
same action, same loogie, different punishment. What changed? Not the action that I'm doing, but the authority that's being violated, right? It would be much worse for me to sin against President Biden than it would be for me to sin against you. And that's for good reason. It would be more severe because of the authority that's being violated. And how much greater the sovereign king of the universe, how much greater for the one who created the stars and the planets, who sustains every atom of existence in his hand. Our opposition to eternal punishment doesn't come from an empathy for human beings, but actually from an ignorance of the severity of our own sin, an ignorance of the authority of God. We all carry the swastika of sin imprinted onto us. We're all guilty. We all deserve punishment. And you will wake up to see the perfect judge enact perfect justice. And that entails shame being poured out rightly onto all of us. But there's a third category here. There's point three. Not just eternal shame, but eternal life. Some wake up to disgrace and shame. Others wake up to eternal life. But it's not as though those who wake up to eternal life are any better than those who wake up to shame. Romans 3.23 says that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But God offers more than a clean slate. God offers more than just a new opportunity for perfection. He actually offers forgiveness. This is what makes Christianity so different from what our world offers us today. Our society diminishes shame and withholds redemption. Christianity recognizes shame, but offers redemption. See, Romans 10, 11, Paul says that those who believed will not be put to shame. It's that same word, it's that same idea, that they will not be put to shame. Those who believed, why? Because Jesus had been put to shame. Because God the Father sent His Son, truly man and truly God. And though He lived a perfect life, He suffered in our place. He was mocked. He was stripped of His clothes. He was shamed by those around Him. He placed eternal contempt upon His shoulders. And He died under the just punishment of God for our sins. But three days later, he rose again. He awoke from the slumber of death, never to face it again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he sits next to him today. 1 Corinthians 15 describes Christ as a first fruit of eternal life. After his resurrection is all those who belong to him. For just as death came through a man, so the resurrection will also come through a man. That's what we celebrate today. If you're not a Christian here tonight, what will you wake up to? Nothing else is more worth it. Nothing else is more precious. For us as a church, we, we gather every Easter, every single Sunday. And every single Sunday is a celebration of Christ's resurrection in the past. We celebrate that day. We love that day. We Meditate on that day. But every Sunday isn't just looking back. 
Every Sunday also looks forward to that day where we will be resurrected with him. Jesus is ahead of us, and we are following the leader. Friends, death is temporary, but Christ is forever. Which means we can look to him who conquered sin and death. And as we follow him, we can trust him. And look forward to that day where we wake up seeing our Savior face to face and achieving, holding, seeing true eternal life. Let's pray. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have not put us to shame, but have instead dressed us in righteousness. We ask God even tonight, as we continue to fellowship together, as we praise you, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to treasure you, to delight in you. Praise in Jesus' name.